drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. The power is out in New Orleans. A lot of flooding, a lot of damage. So far, one person has died as a result to a Category 4 storm hitting on the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, almost in the same spot. Uh, The U.S. has ended its mission in Afghanistan after 20 years, longest war in American history. The Taliban celebrated by shooting their rifles, American-made rifles, up into the air and then hanging a man underneath a Black Hawk helicopter and flying him around town. Pretty disgraceful. Uh, but there's going to be more than just the news we're going to catch up on. There is good news on a pro-life front out of the state of Texas today. Uh, could be effectively banning all abortions there. We're going to catch up on that story in the What's Concerning Us. But coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican is going to be back on the program. He was on, I don't know, several months ago. And uh, today we're going to be talking about his book, Finding Vigano, which I have gone through. Uh, it is uh, an excellent read. I would encourage you to, to check it out. But we're going to dive into more of uh, the, the man of Vigano, Archbishop Vigano. Uh, who was he? What motivated him? What does he hope to accomplish? All of that uh, coming up on the program today at 35 past the hour. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of that. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, any uh, any good news in the news today, or is it all sort of heavy? Um, it's pretty heavy, but um, I did I did find some great positive news stories on hey uh, Al- Altia. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, praise be to God. That, yes. That, but, but we save those for the next hour. Yes. For the fortunate for, later. for the fortunate listener who hangs out with us for the second hour of our program, <laughs> more upbeat and inspirational news is coming your way. But uh, but we have a lot to get through in this hour. Speaking of heavy and a lot to get through, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah. Praise be to God. Uh, so you don't have any news, I guess. Nope, I got no news. newsless. You know, well, you know, I have some good news because, you know, I'm going to be reading the Saint of the Day. That's always good news. <laughs> now, I picked a good one for you today. Oh, that's not a good um, sign. Very easy to pronounce. Should be very straightforward. It's never a good sign when Joe says he picked something good. <laughs> I bet you it's going to be some, like, Northumbrian saint or something <laughs> crazy like that. What, what? What? Come now. I don't even know what Northumbrian is. It sounds really? somewhere north of Umbria, probably. Now, I you, don't know. You could. Janice, you took geography in school, right? Uh, probably like in middle school or <laughs> high school. Middle school. Yeah. I, I, I don't actually have a lot of memories of geography. Maybe really? like middle school. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So y- you know where Northumbria, though, is, right? Mm, it's north no. of Umbria, of course. <laughs> Very clearly, <laughs> north of Umbria. There is a lot of saints that come from Northumbria. So uh, don't be picking on the Northumbrians. I'm just saying. All right. We're going to have a great show. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Janice here in a moment. We're going to have Saint of the Day and then Gospel of the Day. And then, of course, we're going to jump into a whole series of what's concerning us stories. As I mentioned, there's some stories out of the Afghanistan theater that we need to discuss, as well as some good pro-life news. Praise be to God for that. Uh, And then there is some Vatican news as well. So lots to jump.
jump into it 15 past. And then, as I said, at 35 past, Dr. Robert Monahan from Inside the Vatican will be on to discuss his book, Finding Vigano. Jam-packed show. Be sure to step by our, our website to get the podcast and links to the social streams, as well as sign up to our email list at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's, uh, let's pray and let's do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janelle, or Janice, sorry. Good morning. This is Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, vaccine passport systems are coming to Ontario, Canada. Canadian University faculty members, students pen open letter opposing draconian vaccine mandates. From LifeSite News, Harvard's new chief chaplain, Greg Epstein, is an atheist and the author of a book titled Good Without God. Harvard's new chief chaplain does not believe in God, claims U.S. politics is his true religion. The university founded on Christian faith has strayed from its values and has become a reflection of the nuns' culture. From LifeSite News, healthcare workers in the state of New York ordered to get the COVID-19 jab will not have the option of religious exemptions. An emergency authorization was passed late last week. New York ends religious exemption for COVID-19 mandates. 450,000 healthcare workers affected. Healthcare employees in the state must take the experimental injection or face termination regardless of religious objections. Tropical Storm Ida, which made landfall on Louisiana this past Sunday as a Category 4 hurricane, continued to batter the Gulf Coast on Monday after killing at least one person and leaving more than a million others without power. Louisiana Governor Officer expects many more fatalities as the trapped residents desperately post on social media for help. From the Blaze News, the Pentagon has officially confirmed that the last plane left Kabul airport on Monday, ending the U.S. military mission in Afghanistan after two decades while leaving hundreds of Americans behind. As the nation debates whether children should be forced to wear masks at school, Dr. Anthony Fauci is now advocating for COVID-19 vaccination to be a condition for children attending school this year. Democratic lawmakers want the Federal Reserve to focus on climate change as well as racial and economic justice. Representative Alexandria Cortez of New York is among one of the main Democratic leaders who envisions a central bank which is focused on issues such as climate change and social economic justice. From the Epic Times, gas prices are expected to rise as Hurricane Ida shut down 95% of Gulf's oil production. Hurricane Ida shut down more than 95% of Mexico's Gulf Coast, Gulfs of Mexico's oil production, said regulators, suggest, suggesting that Category 4 storm 
will have a significant impact on energy supply and gas prices. From Epic Times, a mon- monetary power surge just disrupted half of New York City's subway system for several hours and stranded hundreds of passengers. Florida's Department of Health on Monday announced that it is withholding funds from two school districts that defied Governor Ron Ron's orders banning ma- mask mandates. Florida-based Coalition of Lawyers says it is going to represent thousands of U.S. airline workers seeking a religious exemption from mandatory COVID-19 vaccines. Officials in New Orleans on Monday said that the people who evacuated should not return to the city in Louisiana following impacts from Hurricane Ida, which was downgraded to a tropical storm causing mass power outages, while the mayor warned would there would be looters. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday. Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, yes, yes Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> the saint of the day is Saint Aidan of Lindensfarne. He was born in the late 5th century in Ireland and was a monk at Iona, Scotland. He studied under Saint Sinan and at Inishkathe and the bishop and became bishop of Colgar, Ireland. He resigned the see to become a monk at Iona in 630. He was an evangelizing bishop in Northumbria and in, in, in England at the behest of his friend the king, St. Oswald of Northumbria. Once when pagans attacked Oswald's forces at Bambrog, they piled wood around the city walls to burn it. St. Aidan prayed for help and a, and a change in wind blew the smoke and flames over the pagan army. Aidan was known for his knowledge of the Bible, his eloquent preaching, his personal holiness, simple life, scholarship, and charity. He was a miracle worker. He trained St. Boswell, founded the Linden's Farm Monastery that became not only a religious standard bearer, but a great storehouse of European literature and learning during the alleged Dark Ages. St. Bede is lavish in his praise of the Episcopal rule of Aden. He died on 31st of August 651 at Bamberg, England of Natural Causes. The young Saint Cuthbert of Linden's Farm, a shepherd in the field at the time, saw Aden's soul Rise to heaven as a shaft of light. St. Aidan of Lindensfarne, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, verboom.com forward slash G-R-N. That's with a V. V V-E-R-B-U-M. 
Verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to dive deep into the passage today. Uh, but uh, I, I love this notion of authority. You know, there are a lot of rabbis who teach in, in the time of Christ, many schools of, of teaching there. In fact, it's part of the tradition of finding the child Jesus in the temple was that he went from school to school in order to school them about the coming of the Messiah. Uh, did you get that, pun intended? At any rate, uh, so there's a lot of rabbis teaching, but unlike them, Jesus teaches and speaks with authority. He takes things to the next level. Even the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible pointed out that many popular exorcists during the New Testament times recited long incantations and used odorous uh, roots to expel demons. But Jesus, however, merely speaks a word and the spirits depart. Cyril of Alexandria would say, They wondered, therefore, at the mightiness of his teaching, his virtue, and his power, as it follows. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. That is, not soothing, but urging and exciting them to, self, to seek salvation. Now the Jews supposed Christ to be one of the saints or prophets, but in order that they might esteem him higher, he passes beyond the prophetic limits. For he said not, thus saith the Lord, but being the master of the law, he uttered things which were above the law, changing the letter to the truth and the figures to the spiritual meaning. St. Cyril of Alexandria. Pretty powerful stuff when you think about what Jesus is doing here in front of this crowd, demonstrating who, in fact, he really, really is, the second person of the, of the Trinity. Uh, the father of lives. Now, this is the devil. Now, I think this is fascinating. Navarre's commentary pointed this out. By speaking as he does, the devil is telling the truth. But Jesus does not accept the testimony of this father of lies. The devil sometimes utters true things in order to disguise error and to show, sow confusion. By telling the demon to be quiet, Jesus shows that we need to be prudent and not let ourselves be deceived by half-truths. St. Ambrose would say, It ought not to shock anyone that the devil is mentioned in this book as the first to have spoken the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Did you catch that? The devil is the first to, uh, to say this in this particular book. He goes on to say, For Christ received not from him the name which an angel brought down from heaven to the virgin. The devil is of such effrontery that he is the first to use a thing among men and bring it as something new to them, that he may strike people with terror at his power. But he is the father of lies, and he is cast to hell by the Lord and Savior Jesus. We're going to go to a break, come back with a whole list of what's concerning us. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. 
The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up, 35 past the hour, Dr. Robert Moynihan is supposed to join us from inside the Vatican. He has a book published by Tan called Finding Vigano. And um, I went through it. In fact, I went through the, the audiobook version, which is excellent. The production quality is very, very good. Kevin O'Brien narrates, and he does such a great job you know, putting a personality to the text, giving the characters life. It's really, really good. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. Uh, but we want to have a conversation around the man, Vigano. Um, who is he? What drives him? Where is he now? What does he hope to accomplish? Is he holding anything back? Um, is the defrocking of McCarrick good enough? We're going to have that conversation, plus a lot more. Robert Moynihan's coming up at 35 past the hour. Make sure you join us for that. Um, good news, bad news in the news, of course. Uh, praise be to God. Lots to, to talk about for Afghanistan. I don't want to dwell. I've dwelt quite a bit on this, but uh, I was very disappointed this morning to discover there is video uh, circulating, circulating the internet of how the Taliban celebrated the conclusion of the longest war in American history. Uh, when the general uh, gave his press conference, uh, General McKenzie, he said, uh, you know, we have concluded, we are done, we have brought everybody out, oh, except for, I don't know, several hundred Americans who have been left behind. Other than that, you know, high five, pat on the back, we're all good. So the last C-17 uh, took off yesterday, uh, more than 24 hours before the deadline. Could, he said, essentially, well, we you know, we tried, but they couldn't, those other Americans, they couldn't seem to get to the airport. Uh, so we had to take off. We left. And they left behind a massive quantity, a treasure trove of, of military hardware. This, uh, there was a, an article yesterday out of the Times, the Sunday Times, and uh, it detailed how much hardware was left behind. 22,000 Humvees, 8,000 trucks. Um, how about this? 358,000 plus Assault rifles, or what we might call M16s or M4. Most of them are probably M4s. 42,000 trucks or SUVs. 64,000 machine guns. 176 artillery pieces. Uh, 33 helicopters. Four C-130 transports. 33 Blackhawks. And so much more. 
I mean, billions and billions of dollars of hardware left behind. In fact, uh, that was part of the celebration of the Taliban as they watched the last C-17 liftoff. They fired their brand new American-made guns into the air to celebrate. And uh, as I said, there is video out uh, circulating this morning of a man being hung. A dead man's body hung beneath a Black Hawk helicopter as it flies around the city under Taliban control. It's quite disgusting. I mean, it's, it's very disturbing video. So there is a lot to be said here con- you know, that we continue to bring up because who's going to be held responsible for the fallout of all of this? We have yet to see. I can tell you there was another disturbing story of... Um, uh, an, an interpreter and their whole family died as a result to the drone attacks, you know, targeting the ISIS-K, um, the part of the suicide bomber retaliation. Families of the fallen Marines and service members from this bo- uh, bombing uh, had a chance to visit with President Biden before the bodies were taken off the airplane on the tarmac. And the vast majority of those family members simply walked out. They were so... They were so upset by all of this and the handling of all of this by the current administration that they did not want to to meet with the president. So lots of lots to discuss and think about and pray about continually out of the Afghan story. But let's talk about the storm. Uh, I, I find that this is I'm inspired that this storm wasn't worse, in my opinion. It was bad. It's it's bad, but it's not. It could have been so much worse. Ida kills at least one, leaves more than a million without power. Louisiana's governor office, governor's office expects many more fatalities as trapped residents desperately post on social media for help. Now, I'm hoping and praying that 16 years has taught us a lot about how to res- respond to such storms. Having been through a major uh, storm event myself, a couple of them actually, um, I can appreciate and sympathize for what these folks are going to go through. But so far, with only one fatality, I'm inspired and hopeful that we can limit that number significantly compared to the 16 years ago with Katrina and the incredible damage that we all saw, the, 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 the catastrophe that we all watched on television. And so far, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the levee system in New Orleans is holding up, but they are without power today. And they need to get power back, especially in the hospitals, nursing homes, things like that. That's very, very important. So let's pray for these people. Let's continue to, uh, to um, keep them in our hearts, our minds. But of course, whatever we can do to help, let's continue to do that as well. I was very inspired. It was a, uh, it was a couple, um, a man and a wife who, who were from Tennessee that came down to help during Hurricane Harvey that rescued my family by boat out of our house because our neighborhood flooded. So the, the generosity of neighbors, complete strangers, is incredibly inspiring and overwhelming during these, these uh, storm events. And I can imagine that that is what's going on there. The Cajun Navy is in full effect. So praise be to God for that. Uh, hey, Adrian, this is going to be very interesting to you. Imagine You remember uh, like um, way, way back when? Um, like it was like a long time ago when, when Jews said, "Hey, uh, Pope Francis, we take exception with what you said about Jewish law." And that was like twenty years ago, right? Like it was like when was that again? It felt like forever oh, wait, ago, like a week ago, like a, like a week, maybe less, less than a week like ago. A f- I think it was maybe like are, on last Thursday. Are you being serious? Because like the Dubia Cardinals, now they submitted that what 
I don't know, a couple days ago, maybe, or something? Like, they wanted questions answered, you know, that things were confusing, and they're like, hey, Your Holiness, do you mind, you know, answering a few questions? I mean, they still have a little bit longer to wait, you know. There still have been dubia requested back, like, 60 years ago that haven't been answered, so. (laughs) Really? They got some time. They got got some time. Huh. Okay, okay. Well, I guess this is good news. There's some progress here because uh, there's already been uh, a response to the Jews' questions. Uh, according to the Vatican News, they've, they've, been, they've had a response now. An Archbishop, Victor Manuel Fernandez of La Plata in Argentina, offers a commentary on behalf of the Vatican to the Jews that asked the questions of, of Pope Francis in, re, in, uh, in response to his wondering whether or not the Jews, the law, has any efficacy anymore, which, of course, St. Paul makes clear, and even St. Thomas Aquinas makes clear that that's not the case. So, wow, quick turnaround on that one, huh? Mm, Maybe a little too quick of a turnaround on that one. You know, it's uh, I was really excited when I saw Pope Francis come out and say what he did about the salvation uh, in regards to the Catholic Church in relation to the Jews, that the Jews, you know, they, they had their place in history, and that our Lord, he came and fulfilled the law, and that the the Levitical laws of the Old Testament do not uh, now uh, sanctify us. It does not bring us to salvation, does not save us. And instead, it is uh, being grafted onto the into the mystical body of Christ through baptism that saves us. And I was like, wow, Holy Father, that was amazing. That was, uh, yeah. some, that was some good stuff there. Praise be to God. And uh, then today, uh, you know... It, Pope Francis didn't walk it back himself, so I mean that's pretty good. I yeah. I give Pope Francis credit for saying what he did. Um, I'm, I'm not mad at him. I not think at it's, all. I think it's great. I think this response from this Archbishop is very very good. You know he's quoting he's quoting Aquinas even. Praise be to Jesus. But God, you is that was awfully fast to turn around um, to respond. So now we know what to do to the new dubia. Yeah. So anytime we want to get a dubia answered, we just <laughs> ask someone uh, else to write it. Particularly, I, maybe a rabbi. Maybe possibly <laughs> that could be the that could be the new solution to some of the issues. There's but a new strategy. There's a new strategy there for sure. All right. Uh, also, real quick in Catholic news, your Bishop Olmsted of Phoenix joins those bishops around the country and I suppose around the world who have who supports religious exemptions to mandates vaccines and the mo- and the rest. Now, he, he does encourage the faithful, in all honesty, to get the vaccine. He is doing that as well. But he, he does not uh, take that hard, rigid uh, stance that some of these other bishops are. So uh, I guess that I just point the, use this to point out that, you know, we're getting lambasted on social media that if you don't, unless you get this, then you are like a, an ISIS-K terrorist suicide bomber. Like this, that's absolutely absurd. Many bishops would disagree, and Bishop Olmsted would join that list, I imagine. Let's go to some very positive news, in my opinion. Uh, this is out of LifeSiteNews.com. Texas will become first state to ban abortions. Court allows heartbeat law to go into effect Wednesday. This is kind of a big deal in the pro-life world. Kind of a big deal. Uh, Texas appears likely to become the first state in America to be allowed to enforce a law banning abortions once an unborn baby's heartbeat is detectable. In a huge victory for life on Sunday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals canceled a Monday hearing on a lawsuit to block the law, according to Newsmax. That means, at least for now, The law will go into effect as planned on Wednesday and potentially save more than 100 babies from abortion every single day. That's pretty big. 
It goes on to say, the Texas heartbeat law, which Governor Greg Abbott signed in May, prohibits abortions once an unborn baby's heartbeat is detectable, typically about six weeks of pregnancy. Exceptions are allowed if the mother's life is at risk. Unique from other heartbeat laws, the Texas legislation includes a private enforcement mechanism that allows people to file lawsuits against abortionists abortionists who violate the law. The law has the potential to save tens of thousands of lives. In 2019, more than 56,600 unborn babies were aborted in just the state of Texas alone. And about 85% happened after six weeks of pregnancy, according to the state health statistics. Earlier this summer, a group of more than 20 abortion practitioners, including Planned Parenthood and Whole Women's Health, filed a lawsuit asking a court to block the law from going into effect. The hearing, that hearing was scheduled for Monday before the federal district judge, but the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals denied the group's request, canceled the hearing according to the Post. And the abortionists, they're not happy. They recognize that this is going to really put an end, at least temporarily, to their abortion business, which is huge dollars for them, by the way. The largest abortion mill in the Western Hemisphere happens it happens to be not only just in our backyard, but in the state of Texas. So this could be something that uh, we see spread across the country. I would love to see that. Praise be to God with all those other states that are also passing heartbeat bills. I don't know how long this will last, but if 100 babies get saved, praise be to God. Imagine if this goes a week, two weeks, a month, if it goes a day. I mean, it would be amazing to see more lives saved as a result to this, um, this turn of events. It's kind of a big deal. But what gets me is, let's just say... Planned Parenthood in their mega abortion mill right in my backyard over here. Let's just say they decide they are not going to follow this. They don't care what the judge says. Come and stop me. Well, I guess it comes down to building the case according to the law to to prove that they broke the law and then take it to court. Then you have to spend more money and more time in the court system to have it enforced. So there's downsides. But let's pray. Let's pray lives are saved. Amen. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. More breaking news and stories with uh, with Janice. And then, of course, Robert Moynihan, Finding Vigano. That's coming up next. Among the many arguments relativists give to prove their worldview, one is that moral beliefs change. For example, they might say, we used to believe slavery was okay, but now we don't. If there were moral absolutes, well, then moral beliefs wouldn't change. How do we respond? Well, we can ask the relativists if we've morally progressed in changing our country's slavery laws. Assuming they say yes, we can point out the fact that progress implies an objective moral standard that our society better conforms to today than it did 150 plus years ago. But if there's an objective moral standard that we've progressed toward, well then morality is not relative. So the relativist either has to give up on the idea that we've progressed morally in order to keep relativism or reject relativism to keep the idea of moral progress. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic News Agency, Philadelphia International Airport has been transformed into a welcome center for Afghan evacuees, processing hundreds of men, women, and children fleeing from the country as U.S. troops leave. From the Vatican News, Pope urges Italian bishops to make parishes schools of service. Pope Francis sends his greetings to a meeting of bishops serving rural areas in Italy and urges them to let charity and hope fill their pastoral activities. Children in Afghanistan are in desperate need of humanitarian aid. The UN's Children Agency highlights the urgent need of the children in Afghanistan, where insecurity and conflict are are arising following the Taliban takeover of the country. One of the worst places on earth to be a child is in Afghanistan. Quote, Pope Francis sends his greetings to a meeting of bishops serving rural areas in Italy and urges them to let charity and hope fill their pastoral activities. From VOA News, Mississippi Highway collapses, two killed, at least 10 injured. Robertson believes the torrential amount of rains have caused the roadway to collapse, adding that drivers may not have seen the roadway in front of them was impossible. VOA News, U.S. President Joe Biden is set to address the nation on Tuesday following the withdrawal of the last American troops from Afghanistan and the end of a two-decade war that leaves the Taliban in power. In an interview, Pope Francis appears to criticize the handling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan by the United States that triggered scenes of chaos and violence at the Kabul airport, saying, quote, I don't want to judge nevertheless that didn't take in the the u.s did take into account all of the eventualities end quote after the supreme court overturned a national moratorium on evictions from rental properties imposed by the center of disease control amid the covid pandemic the president of catholic charities usa says it's now a crucial time to educate local catholic charities landlords and renters on how to access the billions of dollars on rental assistance available from the federal government. From National Catholic Register, Delta variant throws a curveball as Catholic schools reopen. The goal for many Catholic schools is to get students back into the classroom with a strong academic and religious program. But mass and vaccine mandates controversies are rolling Catholic school communities across the nation. From National Catholic Register, the U.S. has assorted has an assortment of laws on what is legal for mental health professionals with regards to counseling transgender patients, leaving some Catholic professionals at risk of punishment if they don't support these gender transitions. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Tuesday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Janice, for keeping us up to date. You know, uh, we have a lot of great programming coming up. Phil Lawler, we had a great conversation with Phil Lawler last week. We recorded it. That's going to be coming out soon. 
Um, and then we were talking about, you know, the church being sort of split on the issue of, of vaccines and mandates. And so it was very insightful. We're going to be playing that uh, in a show coming up. I don't know if it's going to be into uh, this week or the beginning of next, but we'll also send it to our CDT insiders on our email list. So that is coming. If you're not on our email list, can I encourage you, please uh, join our email list. You can do so on our website, by the way. Um, just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And on the on the website, not only can you watch live, comment live, you can find all the social links there. You can watch interviews from past guests on there. You can listen to the podcast there. You can do so much right on our website. Even get the rules of our Fear and Trembling Game Show. All of that is on the website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But you can also join the email list there. And when you sign up on the email list, the CDT Insiders, you're going to get an email right in your inbox right away where we're going to share with you a 30-minute talk from Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy on the state of the church, the state of the union. Where are we now? Where are we headed? It's a powerful talk, 30 minutes, very, very good, and uh, that's going to come to your inbox right away. We also, or at least I try to, every single week share um, share with you, our CDT Insiders, some unique content so you'll get that in your inbox every Thursday or so, and uh, you'll get first access to the Phil Lawler conversation. So make sure you sign up to the email list at uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But joining us right now from the Vatican Insider is Dr. Robert Moynihan via Zoom. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for uh, for being on with us. Praise be to God. It's good to see you back. Um, I have uh, gone through uh, Finding Vigano. I went through the audiobook, which, by the way, is amazing. Uh, Kevin O'Brien does such a great job narrating your book. He makes it not only uh, just engaging, understanding the information, but very entertaining, too. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's published by Tan. But I, there's so much I wanted to discuss with you in regards to this. Number one, how did you manage an exclusive meeting with Archbishop Vigano? Well, this depends on our friendship and his trust in me. Um, I had known him since about 2011 when he became, he was appointed to be the Pope's representative in the United States, the nuncio to Washington, D.C. And uh, he was replacing a man named Archbishop Pietro Sambi, who had died in the summer of 2011. And... Uh, when all of these events unfolded over the entire pontificate of Benedict, his resignation, the election of Francis, the Pope's trip to America in 2015, and then uh, five years had passed from 2011 to 2016, so uh, uh, Archbishop Vigano retired. His official retirement date is 75. And then we talked occasionally in the following year, and then he released his testimony at the end of August, exactly three years ago, mm -hmm. the end of August 2018. Actually, it was the 25th of August. And um, he then went into hiding, in a sense. He went underground or out of public eye and he wasn't easily able to be found but because of those years of connection with him i had his 
two different cell phone numbers and his uh, Skype number and his email number and then a very important uh, Proton email number, hmm. which is a secured email. And uh, over the course of that year, I sent him a couple of notes. I just said, how are you doing? And he wrote back and he said, I'm doing well and I'm reading your letters because he reads the uh, the letters I write occasionally called the Moynihan letters, mm. which I send out for free to, I don't know, about 20,000 people around the world. So when the summer of 2019 came along, and he had just done a email interview with another journalist who had somehow managed to also contact him from the Washington Post. I said, listen, why don't I have a chance to sit down with you and do something kind of unusual and talk to you and then write a book about it? And he said, let me reflect on that. He said, you know, I'm afraid that we probably still shouldn't meet. I can do it like I did with the Washington Post. And I said, listen, it would be so much better if we could meet. I could look and see if you're doing well, and we could talk things through. And he said, well, let me think it over. And he finally said, yes, come and find me. Dr. Robert Moynihan is our guest. Inside the Vatican is his website. You should check that out as well, insidethevatican.com. One of the parts of the book that really I found very touching, very moving, was in your preparation to go meet with Archbishop Vigano in this faithful meeting, your conversation with your father, uh, mm. God rest his soul, mm. uh, you know, and uh, that exchange between you and him, it, th- that gave me a perspective of the humanity, not just uh, not just of Archbishop Vigano. I thought the book really did well to ge- to make him more human, less in the headlines, more in the reality uh, as a person. Um, and it, I think it did that from, for you, too. This conversation between you and your dad uh, was very touching to me. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, my dad is a great influence on my life, and uh, he passed away just about a year and a half ago now. So, really, when I was heading out to encounter Archbishop Vigano and talk to him for a number of days... I told my father, I said, well, the Archbishop has agreed. And he said, well, this will be an important encounter and try to do uh, the best you can for the Archbishop and for the Church and for the truth. And uh, with controversial figures and controversial problems, you have to try to be truthful. And we we face these contradictions in so many avenues of life, both in the, the politics uh, today and even some of the medical decisions today. And uh, my father was an old Irish Catholic American of that school. He, he was in the U.S. Marine Corps. Semper Fi. Mm-hmm. Hold, hold that thought, Dr. Moynihan. This music means we got to go to a quick break. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation. Semper Fi. I served in the Marine Corps, so uh, I appreciate that. But we're going to pick up the conversation right there on the other side of the short break. Finding Vigano is the book. You should check it out. Tan Publishing. But more to come. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alfquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age. That is, of the age which is passing. And in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you. Dr. Robert Moynihan is our guest. Uh, Inside the Vatican, insidethevatican.com is his website. He has a book out called Finding Vigano. It's been out a while. It's very, very good, though. I just finished the audio book version, excellently produced. It is really engaging and entertaining as well as informational. And you can find that on tanbooks.com. But uh, welcome back to the program, Dr. Moynihan. Um, before we went to the break, we were talking about your dad, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I like that exchange between the two of you. And one of the reasons why I did was because it emphasized the weight of what you were doing in this. You're a veteran journalist of the Vatican and Church News for many, many years. Uh, but the, this is kind of a heavy thing. Vigano has made enemies and friends worldwide. Some, I'm sure, on the enemy side are very powerful figures within the Vatican Curia. Uh, so I imagine you probably were thinking, this could ruin everything for me. Um, I don't know. What was going through your mind at that point? Yes, that's precisely right. And uh, usually uh, we imagine we're take a straightforward path, and sometimes the path gets a little crooked. So I was going to say about the Marines. My father went in right after his brother. My, his brother was also Marine, fought in the South Pacific at the end of World War II. He was on the USS Hornet. Mm. He fought more or less up all the way from Australia to Japan. He was a gunner, getting uh, shooting at the kamikaze fighters from Japan, and... Uh, he came back and was never the same as he had been. Mm. My father loved him dearly. He was two years older than my father. My father went into the Marines. In his barracks was a man named George C. Scott. <laughs> wow. And, uh, who later played Patton. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? And my father always debated with him about the faith. And there's a letter we have from Scott to my dad on his wedding. He said, uh, best wishes on your marriage from the agnostic <laughs> George. What a cool and, piece of memorabilia. Yeah. And, but he, um, he was uh, a man who tried to 
to carry out to to carry the the faith that was given to him in difficult circumstances in his own family, his own father and mother from uh, Massachusetts, from Haverhill, Massachusetts. And uh, when he was uh, almost a juvenile delinquent, he went into the uh, he went into the school one day and he had a nun named Sister Eucarita and she said, you know, you're ruining your life. You're going to end up being expelled from school. She said, you can do better than that. She said, he said, she was critical for him. So each of us has angels in our lifetime and she was one for him. And that was that old Catholic culture that more or less has passed away now. Mm. But he... He imbued me with that. He, he went in and studied for the priesthood for, for, for three years in Calicoon, New York. And he described waking up in the morning under one thin blanket and, being, and shivering. So it was always a sense that the highest thing was God. The highest thing was Christ. The highest thing was the battle with oneself between the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, yeah. and trying to choose the right thing and trying to live up to that motto, Semper Fi, always faithful. So the 1960s came along, the church changed, the United States changed, the 70s, and then the 80s, I went to Rome and I started covering the Vatican, and I thought I would put my shoulder to the wheel of the force in the world for good. So the John Paul was there at the time, and Joseph Ratzinger was at his side. The Soviet Union was about to fall. The 90s passed by. The Soviet Union fell. We had a great opportunity. We were preeminent in the world, but America itself started to change, and we had what we call the uh, culture wars, the culture of life, the culture of death. The year 2000 came. The world didn't stop, and then... Uh, Pope John Paul died in 2005. Pope Benedict was elected. I had known Benedict. He was a German theologian, philosopher, professor, a very beautiful writer, but not a man really of administration or of power. And he had difficulty ruling the Catholic Church. And he had many opponents about, of his more conservative Catholic uh, teaching. Mm. So he was... Uh, Finally, he resigned his papacy in a dramatic way in 2013, just eight years ago, and uh, Pope Francis was elected. So in those years, it became increasingly clear that a group in the church wanted to get closer to the world, engage the world, and sometimes even compromise with the world. And they thought it was a good thing because they thought, that they would, uh, well, they, I have to. We got about uh, we got about five and a half minutes left in our conversation, sure. so we're running out of time pretty quick here. Let me change. Let me switch. Let's fast forward to Vigano here. Um, yeah. Vigano, we all remember the story: the summer of shame, two thousand eighteen. McCarrick Vigano writes his a testimony that kicks things off in a big way. But you're meeting with Vigano, and you're the one year after his uh, exile, essentially. Um, maybe you can give us. Uh, from your experience and your time with Vigano, uh, would he is he satisfied with McCarrick simply being defrocked? Is that was that is that his goal? Is that good enough? Well, what what happened with Vigano was a conversion uh, to a deeper level of commitment. He had always been a faithful servant of the church, but he had been very obedient, and somehow 
a kind of company man in a sense for 25, for 30, for 35 years. And he got into his 70s, he retired, and he looked around and he saw what had happened to the church and he saw particularly that summer of shame. He saw there had been a lot of cases of corruption and abuse that had been allowed somehow to proceed, had not been stopped, there had been kind of cover-ups. And he said, this is simply unacceptable and we must make a change. So he issued his famous testimony. He said, we've got a culture of cover-up, a culture that is not worthy of the church, not worthy of Jesus Christ. After that, they felt that somehow uh, he, he watched the situation and the unfolding of that, and he slowly, after we had met, he started to reflect on whether the culture of cover-up was not part of a culture of apostasy or of departure from church teaching. In other words, he had two themes. The first was sort of human sin and human weakness and, 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 the, and the culture that covered that up the corruption. And then the second was departure from the faith, compromise with the world. And that became his increasing theme. The second theme became for him in many ways more important than the first. Is, uh, you know, Vigano is often considered he's leading people into schism. He's, uh, they say, in, uh, the Archbishop uh, is a schismatic and that he thinks that Christ, that uh, the Pope is the Antichrist. Uh, can you address these issues? Three well, minutes. He raises the question about the uh, the way the Pope has left the church in confusion, and he's repeatedly said he prays for Pope Francis. He has not left the church. He feels that the Pope has around him a circle of advisors who are misleading him, and he feels the, the Pope has made some wrong decisions, but he prays for him, and he would like him to become, as he said several times, Peter, mm, come the Peter that he was elected to be, that is, even if he himself is struggling, as Peter struggled, Peter struggled and denied Christ, but even if he is struggling, trying to understand the strange currents of our time in the, cur in the church and out of the church, when he finally comes to clarity, he should return to the authentic and full faith Mm -hmm. that is being challenged in so many ways by sort of trendy thinking, modernist thinking, and then he should confirm his brothers. Now, what? that's, of course, uh, it's a very delicate thing, and uh, there will be people who disagree strongly that there should be any criticism of a, of, a, of a reigning Holy Father, but throughout history, the popes have received uh, <laughs> criticism and advice. Tremendous. And Tremendous Sometimes criticism. they've been grateful to people. Let's uh, let's sneak a couple of questions in very quickly now, Tori, because we're getting down to the the end of it here. Number one, uh, why do you think the the Vatican has not suspended his faculties? If he's if he is the the great divider, uh, if he is uh, someone leading others to schism, why haven't they suspended his faculties? I really can't explain it. I thought it might be something they might try to do, and uh, maybe they fear that they would create a martyr. They thought maybe this wouldn't continue so long, or maybe they felt that it was in their in their own interest that these uh, criticisms and attacks would remain possible, mm -hmm. and it would uh, kind of create a channel that would uh, would allow for the church to to continue 
without being divided. What about the accusations that he has ghostwriters, there are two veganos, those kinds of things? What would you say to that? I would say he's got connections and contacts now that other people have gotten his email, and there are probably half a dozen or a dozen people, and then even, even more priests are writing to him. But I think he writes everything himself. I do think he's a tremendous researcher. I do think he receives articles, essays, and links from people, and he draws on these for his own thought, but he writes everything himself. I think uh, it's hard to believe, but he's working basically around the clock. He, a man of 80 years old, trying in a sense to make up for lost time. I think he feels that he was too much of a a faithful servant and that the true thing needed is kind of the prophetic voice and to speak the truth because the faithful servants simply are quiet in the face of problems and the face of departures from the faith yeah. and they uh, they don't tell the the emperor that really he doesn't have any clothes and they've, hmm. they've, they've uh, given him the wrong advice and he's going to continue to speak out okay according to the traditional Catholic faith. Well, we are out of time. Dr. Robert Moynihan has been our guest, Vatican Insider. The, uh, the InsideTheVatican.com is the website, InsideTheVatican.com. But check out the book, Finding Vigano, on TanBooks.com as well. God bless you, Dr. Moynihan. Thank you for your time. We're looking forward to the next volume. Well, thank you very much for your program. All right, we're going to go to break. We'll be back with our second hour of Catholic Drive Time. For those of you that can join us, you can also hang out with us on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary, we honor her just as Jesus honors her. 
So there's absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a conversation with Dr. Robert Moynihan from Inside the Vatican. Uh, he has a book published by Tan called Finding Vigano. Love him or hate him, it's still a book worth uh, reading because it'll give you a unique perspective. He had an interesting uh, opportunity to meet with Archbishop, Archbishop Vigano a year after his exile. And it was his sort of first public uh, meeting in that uh, after that year, and uh, the book details it marvelously, and inc- to include the pressure Moynihan felt of even having the conversation with him, uh, he actually went to the Vatican and met with some uh, some uh, powerful officials there to let them know what he was doing ahead of time. Uh, it's a great book; you should check it out. Tan publishes it, TanBooks.com. But uh, we're gonna have a great hour this hour. We have good news and stories uh, coming up uh, in a moment with Janice, and then we're gonna do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then, of course, we play our game, Fear and Trembling, at 15 past the hour. If you would like to be our contestant, you just need to be our uh, on the phone with us. The first caller is always the one we play the game with. You can find the phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, or you can wait for me to give it to you, which I will do before we go to the break. So that's what's coming up next. Good morning to you, uh, Janice. It's good to see you again. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, isn't it fun to have a relief uh, on the news and just offer good news stories for, for at least one of the three segments? Yes, and I, I actually do find a couple of the other news headlines sometimes mm. happy, but sometimes. It's, it's, a, it's definitely harder to find. Yeah. <laughs> important, like we have to cover them. They're important, mm. but... Um, we're human. We don't like to live in the negative news cycle 24-7, right? No. Yeah. yeah so definitely. It's, it's important. It's important. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Good news coming up. And then, of course, a great saint, one of the greatest, I would imagine. Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. You're talking about me as one of the greatest saints ever, right? That's what, you're, that's what you meant by that. It sounded like you were. That's what it sounds like me. Okay, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm making a note. I appreciate the feedback. I will never accuse you of that again. How about well, that? Well, please uh, write down. If we're, uh-huh. if, unless you're driving. If you're driving, don't write this down. But write down. Joe said I am one of the greatest saints ever. Uh, I'm just, fake, I heard that. That's what I heard. News. I don't fake know what news. you heard, but fake that's what news. I heard. Hashtag fake. I thank you very much. They, uh, nonetheless, it is still good to be it here. It is still, it is good, still good to be here. In spite of it all. In spite of it all, it is still 
Good to be here. Yeah, praise be to God. Now, uh, the game show's coming up, and I wonder if the audience has already begun to figure out uh, Janice's trickiness or not. I'm wondering uh, if they've if they've found the, the cues. Adrian, they seem to have you pretty well pegged. Impossible. There's no way. You're going to have to change up your game a bit, I think, to kind of throw them off, because they seem to read you like an open book, like a... Like a Michael Loft, not a Michael Loft, and uh, uh, what's the guy from Daily Wire again? We interviewed him twice. Michael Knowles. Michael, Michael Knowles. like a Michael Knowles book. They figured you out already. <laughs> you mean his uh, blank book? Yes, exactly. With which is extensively uh, sourced. Extensively at the end. sourced yeah. towards mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. excellent. All right, praise be to God. So we're going to have fun this half hour. In the second half, we of course we are going to hang out with you, the audience, for the after show, and you get to drive the conversation. Whatever is on your heart, whatever's on your mind, you comment. We discuss, and of course, if you've never commented, we we lavish some extra love on first time commenters. So be sure to hang out with us for the second half of this hour. But you have to be on a, a live video feed, which you can do on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on our own website. But we're also now live streaming to Odyssey. Odyssey.com is a great backup to Facebook and their censorship issues. Uh, So you can find us, Catholic Drive Time. Search for Catholic Drive Time on Odyssey.com. But go to our website. We have it all linked up there. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray and jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Altia News, TV meteorologist Craig Zeobart answers his calling to become a priest. A weatherman from Ohio has announced that he'll be leaving his job at WKBN News Station to join a seminary at the end of August. Praise God. The Catholic Medical Association joins lawsuits to overturn transgender mandate. A lawsuit has been filed to challenge a Biden administration mandate requiring doctors to perform gender transition procedures. The lawsuit was filed jointly by the Catholic Medical Association and the Alliance Defending Freedom Organization, who claim the mandate disregards the medical judgments and religious beliefs of doctors. Paralympian relies on the faith behind his religious medals as he goes for gold. Track and field athlete Brian Seaman is impressive in not only his athletic endeavors, but also in his Catholic faith. He is not only representing the USA at the Tokyo Paralympics this week, but his strong faith has shaped his entire life. From Catholic News Agency, a young mother of three advances along the path towards sainthood. Pope Francis authorizes the promulgation of decrees concerning the heroic virtues of the servant of God, Enrica Beltrama Quatorci, the daughter of a couple beatified in 2001, is on towards the path towards sainthood. From National Catholic Register, On Monday, pro-life group Susan B. Anthony List said that the Texas state legislator 
acted on the will of the people passing a law reflecting the scientific reality that unborn children are human beings with beating hearts as early as five weeks. Pro-abortion groups are asking the Supreme Court to block Texas law that would allow private citizens to sue abortion providers for illegal abortions. The law bans most abortions in the state after the detection of a fetal heartbeat as early as five weeks into pregnancy. Pope Francis advances sainthood cause of Italian Catholic priest who saved Jews in World War II. Like St. Maximilian Kolbe, Father Cortes was a Franciscan friar who directed a Catholic publication and was tortured and killed by the Nazis. Pope Francis tosses speech to listen to 200 formerly homeless people. The French organization known in English as the Lazarus Association combats homelessness by running homes where young adults or families and homeless people can live together. Pro-life doctors raise concerns over abortion pill complications amid push for permanent removal of restrictions. The FDA temporarily lifted restrictions on the abortion pill in April due to the COVID pandemic, prompting more widespread availability of chemical abortions. However, pro-life doctors caution that at-home abortions can lead to serious complications, pointing to studies showing serious adverse effects and calling into question the FDA's reporting system for such problems. And lastly, Catholics in Poland are expected to hold a day of solidarity with the people of Afghanistan. Poland's Bishop Anonymous, Anonymous uh, backed up a, back, a nationwide campaign for Afghans caught in the current upheaval at a meeting at Jansa Gora, southern Poland. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a great Tuesday. The saint of the day is St. Aidan of Lindisfarne, who was born in the late 6th century in Ireland. He was a monk of Iona, Scotland, and studied under the St. Sinan at Enish Cathay. He was a bishop of Calgar, Ireland, and resigned to see to become a monk at Iona in the 630s. He was an evangelizing bishop in Northumbria, England, at the behest of his friend the king, St. Oswald of Northumbria. Once, when pagans attacked Oswald's forces at Bembrug, they piled wood around the city walls to burn it. St. Aidan prayed for help, and a change in wind blew the smoke and flames over the pagan army. Aidan was known for his knowledge of the Bible, his eloquent preaching, his personal holiness, his simple life, his scholarship, and his charity. He was a miracle worker. He trained St. Boswell and founded the Lindensfarne Monastery that became not only a religious standard bearer, but a great storehouse of European literature and learning during the alleged Dark Ages. St. Bede is lavish in his praise of the Episcopal rule of Aden. He died on the 31st of August, 651 at Bamberg, England of natural causes. The young St. Cuthbert of Lindensfarne, a shepherd in the field at the time, saw Aden's soul Rise to heaven as a shaft of light. St. Aidan of Lindensfarne, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out in a loud voice, 
What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said about this verse, In a mystery, the man in the synagogue with the unclean spirit is the Jewish people which, being fast bound to the wiles of the devil, defiled its vaunted cleanliness of body by the pollution of the heart. And truly, it had an unclean spirit, because it had lost the Holy Spirit. For the devil entered whence Christ had gone out. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, so I think the one thing to take away from this passage is in regard to the truth. Whenever we spread the truth, when we tell the truth, not everything needs to be revealed at once. This is why in the liturgy, you used to have the mass of the catechumens, and then you had the mass of the faithful. So the mass of the catechumens would stay up until after the sermon. After the sermon, the, the catechumens would leave, and then not until they were made Christians were they allowed to even witness the holy sacrifice of the mass, the Eucharist, the mass of the faithful. Now, what is, why do I bring this up? Well, because Cornelius Lapide makes a connection here when he talks about the demon and he's about to prophesy that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of the living God. Our Lord silences him, tells him to shut his mouth. And Cornelius Lapide says, just as the devil via his tongue has caused Eve to fall, so too would they have caused others to fall lest God shut his mouth. So why did he do this? This is very interesting. He said that because the devil, being as wise as he is, being as intelligent as he is, he wraps up his lies with truth. And so he takes what is true, he perverts it, he distorts it, and he spits it back out. And because his thing, what he says is, is wise and seems intelligent, seems wise, seems articulate, people will follow it. And so if God allowed him to speak, that he would lead many souls into hell. And what does he say when he says, my time is not yet, Uh, why do you come to punish me? Well, he's talking about the final judgment, because at the final judgment, all the demons will be cast into hell to not never return, because now they make their way back to earth, they make their way to the surface, they make their way to, uh, to plague humanity, but at the last coming... These are like, whoa, oh my goodness, no, 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 no. This is not the time of the second coming. You are here early. You don't. You can't be sending us down to hell. That's not fair. And uh, our Lord, showing his power, uh, allowed the devil to cry out in pain so that all may not be mistaken and understand that he has power even over the demons. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Who wants to play the game? Dear listener, would you like to possibly win some cool prizes? Well, today might be your day. All you need to do is be our first caller, and you can be our contestant at 877-757-9424. Call right now. Pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. A great gift is on the line this week, a prize. 
ways that you might win at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. 877-757-9424. If you tried to call a minute ago, well, the, the we needed to reboot the phone system. Sorry about that, but it happens. But call back right now at 877-757-9424. The phone lines are wide open. If you've never played, this could be your opportunity to be our contestant. It's a lot of fun, and today is all easy answer Tuesday, I guess. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now at 877-757-9424. In the meantime, let me tell you uh, how this works. Now, we do have a uh, sort of a secret and hidden agenda that uh, we don't like to tell people. I don't like this getting out publicly, but uh, if you keep this between us, I'll tell you I'll tell you the insider secret here. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. Praise be to God. You might learn something new. And then, of course, we like to have fun, and our contestants tend to be a really good time. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which kind of makes this a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. We will not ask our caller the question. Instead, I will ask Janice, and I will ask Adrian, and one of them will be right, and the other will be wrong 
which means the caller will have to choose. They'll have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to possibly win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? This week's prize is coming from a Catholic Etsy shop called Benedicta Catholic Art. Benedicta is actually located outside of the U.S. in Argentina, and she is uh, giving us a medallion sca- a scapular of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, essentially, it's a uh, uh, embroidered d- decorative item that can be used to decorate one's home or uh, on her Etsy shop. It seems like a lot of uh, moms buy these for as a baptism gift or um, for to decorate their child's crib or decorate their home altar. And uh, it's worth about $140. So it's very, um, very high quality uh, handmade. Um, It's titled a medallion scapular of the sacred heart. It's a round um, medallion with red roses embroidered, uh, beautiful Catholic customizable jewelry. That's amazing. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to our show sponsor this week, uh, Benedicta Catholic Art, which you can, again, find on Etsy. So thank you for that. All right. So for those of you who did try to call in and don't make it on the show today, call back tomorrow. Call in early and maybe you can uh, be our guest uh, and play the game. But let's go to the phones. Todd, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. Good morning. Thank you. Praise be to God, Todd. Where are you calling from? Calling from Missouri City. Missouri City, that's uh, in the uh, metro Houston area, praise be to Jesus. And Todd, where do you go to church? St. Angelo Marici. Ah, very good. I have been down there. It is. Uh, I love the San Damiano Crucifix. It's quite lovely, praise be to God. Now, yeah. Todd, are you yeah. familiar with the game? Do you know how it's played? I am. I, I play along, and I, I do pretty good, so I'm curious to see how... <laughs> I'll do live. <laughs> nice. Today's all hard questions Tuesday. Uh, just, just so you know. All easy questions. No, it's going to be easy. Uh, Todd, uh, yeah. real quick, straw poll. Who do you think will be trickier, Janice or Adrian? Adrian. What? Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> he, truth teller. I like this. Praise <laughs> be to God. This is, this is the sin of slander. Got you, got you pegged, pal. All right, here we go. Todd, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Uh, we will start with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? 100%. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> Janice, can you tell me, is patience one of the four cardinal virtues? So patience, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I would, um, mm-hmm. it might seem like it's a cardinal virtue, but it's actually not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a Christian habit. Not a cardinal virtue. Virtue. So you're saying no? No. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, Adrian, let's see what you have to say here. Could you tell me, is patience one of the four cardinal virtues? Well, I mean, um, patience is a virtue, right? People say that all the time. Do they? Yeah. People are like, patience is a virtue. And I always respond, not one that I have, though. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say yes. Oh, you're saying it is a cardinal virtue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. So here's the deal, Todd. Si uh, Adrian seems to think patience is a cardinal virtue, whereas Janice says, no, it is not. Good thing, but not part of the cardinal virtues. 15 seconds on the clock, Todd. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? I say Janine is right. 
All right, so uh, Janice says no, and you're going with no. Your answer is... Wow, Adrian, you didn't let me tease that at all. <laughs> he got it. He now, got I it. Good agree job. with you, Janice. I think patience is highly overrated. Uh, we give way too much emphasis to patience as a virtue. I agree with I you completely. Suppose. I think that was what Adrian said. Is that right? Is that yeah. what? Yeah. Hmm. Well, who's got <laughs> time for that? I don't. Crying out loud, Todd! You're in the cup. Praise be to God! You are possibly going to win this week's prize. How do you feel? Oh, that's good. You're not bad. You're one. You're one. Uh, one for one. One for one right now. You got two All more right. to go. Uh, I think we can get you in there for this next one. I'm going to say this next one is pretty straightforward and easy. All right, we're going to go to Adrian this time. Uh oh. Adrian, can you tell That's me? Scary thought. Can you tell me? I Maybe. I might be able to tell you. What is the name of the city in Portugal where the Blessed Mother appeared in the 20th century? That would be Lourdes. Uh, or as Fulton Sheen would say, Lourdes. Or Lourdes. Lourdes. Or Lourdes. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh huh. You know, okay. Well, let's. I don't speak Portuguese. Let's just get a second opinion here. Uh, Janice, uh, can you tell me what is the name of the city in Portugal where the Blessed Mother appeared in the 20th century? That would actually be Fat- Fatima. 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 Fatima or Fatima? Fatima. Let's just spend the rest of the time. Fatima. I'm talking about pronunciations. Pronunciations. Okay. So here's the deal, Todd. Uh, Janice seems to think it's Fatima, whereas Adrian seems to think it's Lourdes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Todd, what say you? Todd, are you still there? I think we lost Todd. I mean, he says he's still on the phone, but... Todd, you might be muted. Todd? Todd? I'm going to answer for him. It's I Fatima. I don't know if you're allowed. Um, it's Fatima. I'm going to give it to him. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> Todd, it's Fatima. He might be muted. You might want to check your phone, Todd. So Todd's in for... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be generous and give him that second one. So he's in for two. <laughs> uh, but that leaves us with like a conundrum here. I wonder if Todd... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put Todd on hold. And uh, Joseph, are you on the line? Joseph Hughes, are you there? I think our phone system crashed again. Joseph, are you there? No, not there. Maybe uh, maybe our phone crashed. Uh, our phone system is a lot of fun. So here's the third one. I, I, I'm prob- I don't Should I give this to him? Uh, let's take a vote here, but let's ask the question first. Uh, we'll go back to uh, Janice this time. Janice, can you tell me what saint was known as the king of Poland and Hungary? Mm. Now, we all think of uh, Saint, you know, uh, Louis the Ninth. Great saint mm. and king, but this is a different king and saint of both Poland and Hungary. What was his name? You know, I got I got all A's in my uh, church history classes, and Amen. this this has to be Saint Alexander the Great. Oh, A's you say? Okay, yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Saint Alexander the Great. That's fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just just for for fun, let's just ask Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me what was the saint? Who was known as the King of Poland and Hungary. Of Poland and Hungary. Not just Hungary. And not just Poland, but both? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with St. Casimir. St. Casimir. Casimir. I just noticed that is not St. Alexander the Great. No, but he is Casimir the Great, if that helps. <laughs> is he? I believe so. Mine, Ca- mine sounds Cas- better. <laughs> is, is, is Casimir great? I'm just curious. Um... Okay, well, let's see. Todd, are you there? I'm just... 
not hearing from Todd. I don't know what happened. Our phone systems must have crashed. Todd, are you there? One last time. I want to give you the opportunity to get it right if possible. Otherwise, I have to just give it all away. Todd, Todd, Todd. Nothing on Todd. So here's the deal. Hmm. hmm. Let's see who's online Here too. I am. Todd, is that you? I'm back. I think Praise Adrian disconnected God. me. I, yeah. I'm noticing a trend there. I was Todd. very upset that you didn't go with me for the first one. So now, that's how that happened. I don't know if you heard the question. We're running out of time now, Todd. But I don't know if you heard that third question. I gave you the second one. You're in for two. Here's the third one. Who was the saint of King and uh, King of Poland and Hungary? Uh, Janice says it's Alexander the Great, whereas uh, Adrian says it's Casimir. Also who's, the Great. <laughs> who's right? Who's wrong? Todd, what say you? I'm going to go with Janice again. Are, are you sure? <laughs> he should have stayed. He should have. He, see what happens? I'm so sorry. <laughs> you you got to go with the guy wow. with the with the, with the, butt, with the buttons. What was that about patience again, Adrian, with the, you were just, with the button? Man, I was, I was that tricky. patience is not Awfully one of the fast. cardinal virtues. That's Awfully what I learned. Fast. I was tricky Awfully with fast. you, Todd. Very, she, she <laughs> yeah, I think I think Adrian disconnecting me and and yeah. uh, tricking me on a third question got me back. So. Yeah, I got to be. <laughs> this, this is what happens. You had you had to trust the yeah. uh, producer more. Alexander the Great. Last time I checked, uh, died a pagan heathen. So there's that. But <laughs> also before Christ and way before Christ. <laughs> but not bad. You're in for two in spite of all the troubles, Todd. Well done. God bless you and thank you for uh, being our, on our game show today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I'm going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number just in case it be God's will that you should win on Friday. So you'll have to tune back in for that. But that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. you got to love the phone system. It's just, it's a real blessing and also penance at the same time. But uh, we're going to go to a break. The Holy Mass will air next. But if you want to join us for the after show, just jump onto one of our video streams on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube odyssey but you can find the links and watch live on our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt god love you god bless you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you Me to God, welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about the conversation and we talk about whatever you want to talk about, whatever's on your mind. You get to drive the conversation, dear listener, with, with your uh, commenting. And uh, an interesting topic just came up about midlife crises. This is a very important question. Um, Adrian, what is your midlife crisis? Uh, you see, when I was 10, <laughs> I. <laughs> When no, I was uh, no, sorry, no lie, you were eleven. Actually. Eleven and a half. Yeah, eleven and a half to be mm-hmm. specific. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. When I was eleven, actually, I don't even know what grade you were in in eleven and a half. How? What grade are you in? Eleven and a half. Fifth 11, grade. Eleven and a half. Fourth grade. Yeah, something like that. Uh, eighth grade, maybe. No, maybe, I don't. Eleven know. and a half. Grade? Eighth grade. I have you're no idea. A freshman, dude. you're got to be thirteen as a freshman. So you're you're totally a seventh grader. Seventh grader. Eighth, then, five, sixth or seventh grade. 
then what was my biggest concern when I was in sixth grade? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that was my second year at St. Helens. That would have been, I think, my first year playing basketball. I tackled a guy because I never played basketball before, and I saw the guy with the ball, mm-hmm. and I played football, and I was like, you tackled the guy with the ball, right? So I got thrown out of the game. Um, and then I, from there, I just started going into binge drinking. I <laughs> sat in front of the bar every night, and I, I couldn't Dude. get my life together. Man. Oh wait, you're a hot no. Mess. That never happened. Oh, that never mind. And, and other things that never happened. You're a hot uh, mess. You're a hot mess. <laughs> but dear, dear listener, if you have a midlife crisis, let us know. I but mean, we had the question we wanted to pose yeah. is Joe uh-huh. is having his midlife crisis now, and he's concerned that he's spending his midlife with me. Is this a concern? Is this a bad thing? Is this, I, I'm saying that this is a concern. This is a blessing for Joe. Is like that, he gets to work on humility. He gets to work on his patience. Yeah. I am. I am sanctifying Ooh. him. And I don't, and he's and he's complaining about it's it. Funny. I don't understand. My wife uses similar language. I'm wondering if you guys are sharing a script. Hmm. I think it's the other way around for your wife. Hmm. Hey, James Mallory just commented over on grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, James, and good morning to you, Paul from Buffalo. It's good to see both of you there. James says I was just watching and my screen froze. Great interview with Dr. Moynihan. Janice, look forward to meeting you and hope your toe is better. We'll get the toe update uh, as soon as she gets back from uh, talking to our, our contestant. That's nasty. <laughs> I hate that. Eric Rodriguez, good morning. Burry, your family, good morning. Tammy, good morning to you. Alaric, praise be to God, good morning to you. Madeline from, from Spain, praise be to Jesus, good to see you again. Super cool. Yeah, amen to that. We're international. We're, <laughs> and uh, we are, the international have listeners in mystery. Canada and Spain and Florida and Oh, it's Florida. It's Florida. That's part of the I US, like right? I like that. Uh, uh, Christopher bad. Velasquez, good morning. Clarissa, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see you. Sam Morgan. Is Sam a new commenter? Mm, no idea. Morgan, Sam, Sam, are Sam you Morgan? a new commenter? If not, I apologize for giving you hallelujahs because you don't deserve them if you're not new. Uh, but here you nonetheless. Hallelujah. Praise be to God, Sam. Thanks for commenting today. We're very grateful. We love our first time commenters. If you are, in fact, a returning commenter, don't worry. I got something special for you. Just let us know. Uh, mm. Let's see here. Mary Barone, good morning to you. Uh, Jesus Moreno, I haven't seen you in a while, Jesus. Good to see you back here. Uh, he Even he says it's good to reach an international audience. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. Praise God to that. Who's uh, Mary Bose? Good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus, Mary. Eric. Eric Rodriguez. I don't know if you said him already. I did. Who's on Facebook? Uh, Joaquin Luz. Uh, Lori is on with us as usual. Thank Praise you, Lori. She's usually the first one commenting uh, every morning. Gloria is on with us, and uh, let's see, buddy Sonia Morales. Good morning, Patty was there earlier. Ubi, uh, and I'm assuming Sean is also listening. I mean, can't imagine Sean not listening. Um, <laughs> and Jesus Robles is Jesus. on. Good morning, Jesus. Uh, and we should get Jesus back it. in the studio, but on one condition only. He has to uh, do his announcer voice for his boxing match. In the tuxedo. In the tuxedo. Yeah, he has to wear the tuxedo if he, in order for him to come back into the Tammy studio. says we're international here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> hey, over on odyssey.com, uh, thanks for hanging out with us today, Mike. It's good to see you again, my friend. Praise be to Jesus. Um, commenting over there. Love it. Super cool. Uh, Jonah Burrier says, let's talk about our favorite food, please. Okay. Our favorite food. What's your favorite food? Yeah, let us know, Jonah. What's your favorite food? My favorite food is enchiladas, but specifically, oh, that specifically used to be my favorite food. My mom's enchiladas. If uh, if if it's uh, restaurant enchiladas, they're not nearly as good. 
I have to have my mom's enchiladas. I, I cannot mm. eat them anywhere else. Every time I mom's have them anywhere else. Mom's food is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom's food is the best for sure. Nothing matches up. Mm. Janice, what's your favorite food? I don't really have a favorite food. I have a favorite cuisine. Um, what's a cuisine? A cuisine is I like that was just food. a genre of food. Oh. A genre of food. A motif. <laughs> a motif of food. So you're like reading about foods. I see. <laughs> okay, well, then I like, what um, is the motif of the well, genre? Um, I love my top three Mexican, <laughs> Asian, and Indian. Really? And yeah. Indian. That's I love Indian food, Asian food, and Mexican food. Those yeah. are, oh, and Mediterranean food. So maybe my top four. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we're gonna have, okay. we're gonna have to. Okay. It's like you know, I I Slovakian. You know, if food. I had okay, to I pick my Slovakian. favorite food, Not is West. food that is made in America and also in Europe, but mm-hmm. also maybe in Asia. Those are my favorite foods. It I depends. It depends yeah. on my mood and like if I'm trying to cut on carbs, then I'll go Mediterranean. If I'm trying, if I'm mm. just trying to. Can you have smell a happy the meal. Pita pockets right now. <laughs> See, I'm I'm with uh, Jonah. Jonah said his favorite food is pizza and tacos. <laughs> I, that's, that's that's Taco Bell, man, dude. <laughs> not anymore. They're not. I don't think they're with Pizza Hut anymore, but they used to be. But uh, dude, Jonah, pizza and tacos, like low key. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell my mom. I eat pizza and tacos like almost every day. This last week, uh, I literally had pizza four days out of seven days. You hear that? So you hear that sound. That's the sound of his arteries clogging what? Yeah. right now. It's okay. It's okay. I'm still young. It's that no big deal. That doesn't sound too healthy. <laughs> no, no big deal. No big deal. For the longest time, uh, growing up in San Antonio, of course, uh, Mexican food was absolutely my favorite. Enchiladas, 100%. And f- to, the, to the point where I lived 10 years in New England, and you know, t- other than Taco Bell, there was nothing. Until one day in Manchester, we got a proper Mexican restaurant. And uh, it was the best. My wife and I used to go there all the time. We had our dinner before the night we got married uh, at that restaurant. I have a wonderful picture of her in a sombrero and the staff serenading her. Praise be to God. And then um, we went to Rome in 2005. We saved up enough money to have one meal out. And what did we do? We ate at the Mexican restaurant in Rome. I ate a Mexican restaurant in Poland. What's Mexican food like in Rome? Oh, you know, um, I was too fascinated to pass it up. I was like, how good could this be? It wasn't good. How good could Mexican food in Rome be? So I go, and again, it was right across the street from our hotel, thanks be to God. And we were staying near the Vatican Museum entrance. And um, the restaurant was staffed by Mexicans from Mexico uh, that did not Mm -hmm. speak any English, which I found very fascinating. And uh, so in order to take my... it was pretty authentic. It it was... I had the best uh, steak that I had in a very long time. Yeah. Mexicans are not known for steak. (laughs) That doesn't change my opinion of this. That's super weird. It was a cowboy steak. I have so many... There's so many questions here. You went to Rome. was like, you know what I really want to try in Rome? Uh Uh Mexican food. Go to some Mexican restaurant. And it's like, you know what I really want in a Mexican restaurant? A steak. Like, what? 100%. I was so confused. No, it was lit, no oh cat face. Oh my goodness. How, how that do doesn't sound this? like a Mexican restaurant. It was great. It was what one of the best things I had in a long time. Uh, now, okay. In their defense, they had to bring out the cook from Africa to take my order because he was the only one who spoke English. Oh my goodness. Oh, so. So there, it was an African dish. No, it was a Mexican dish. It was a Mexican steak. 
It was a total Mexican. La Coretta. She didn't do that, half fajitas. David from New Hampshire comes in with the bonus points there. La Coretta in Manchester in Manch Vegas over there. A- amazing place. We loved that restaurant. Their, their bean dip was to die for. Bean dip. I don't know what it's like today. Well, I actually don't really place. like Mexican My wife and I food all that. that much. I like Tex-Mex food very much, but actually Mexican, like traditional Mexican meals, uh, not as much. Tex-Mex, I'm all about it. Um, G- Genevieve said she likes salad and noodles. Praise be to God, Genevieve, you're much healthier than I am. <laughs> uh, though I do love noodles. I can eat noodles. I can eat spaghetti and meatballs every day, uh, along with pizza. You know, the two very uh, traditional Italian meals, pizza mm-hmm. and, and spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, Sienna said, my daddy's sandwiches. Praise be to God. Jeff, you make good sandwiches, apparently. <laughs> Praise be to God. He, I noticed he didn't make us any when he showed up. I'm kind of offended by that. Like, really? Oh, hmm. I wonder how to feel about that. Tammy said her favorite food is chocolate, but also southern fried chicken and fresh fish. Dipped in chocolate. Mm. Uh, Yes. Chocolate's my favorite vegetable out of all of them. Well, my favorite vegetable is pizza (laughs) because, you know, it has tomatoes. It has uh, garlic. It has like everything. All the food groups are inside of a pizza. What's your your favorite pizza place? Favorite pizza place? Oh, what's the name? Uh, name of it? When I went to Chicago, uh, Emily was taking me to some uh, pizza places, and there was a really, really good deep dish pizza that I had there. And I was like, I was like, oh my goodness, pizza is just mm-hmm. better here, <laughs> and just in general, it's just better. It's just better here. It's just better. Have you been to Mod Pizza before? <laughs> yes, oh, Mod, Mod Pizza is okay. I don't, I don't love it, but it's it's okay. It's healthier. Sal's Pizza in Manchester. David, do you know about Sal's Pizza? Is that still there? I'm curious. You, I mean, the, the slices were as, were massive. You get one slice and it was as big as my head. Tammy's with me. It's great. Tammy said, an African cooking for a Mexican restaurant <laughs> in Italy. I'm just as confused as Adrian. <laughs> I think actually this one works better. <laughs> Twilight Joe Zone. went to Italy. No, it he gets thought worse. he went to Italy. The story gets worse. So my wife got sick that day on the one day we were going to eat out. So I go across the street thinking I'm going to get it and bring it back to the hotel room. Not only could they not take my order, I had to talk to the, the cook from Africa. And then when I said, <laughs> okay, uh, I need to take this across the street. And they were like, what? Takeout? Like, what is takeout? And the cook actually helped me carry the the plates Forks, knives, napkins, and everything across the street up into the hotel room. The next morning, I returned all the dishes, and the the place was locked. I had to set them uh, in front of the door, the locked door, to return all of their stuff. Because there's no concept of takeout. At the time, was that what, is that still relevant, or was that's that, a good question? I don't know. Who's what been year to Rome? was that? I, I went in two thousand five. Oh, okay. That was like almost a yeah. century ago. Almost, it feels like it, doesn't it? <laughs> you were born that year, Adrian. Yeah. No, two thousand five. Yeah. No, two thousand five. <laughs> that was his midlife crisis year. Yeah. Was... Speaking of which, what did you do for your midlife crisis, Janice? Uh, would you say like my twenty fifth year? My 25th well, when I turned 25, my well, midlife, midlife crisis. 25, your midlife crisis. <laughs> you're, you're, how old are you now? I'm 27. So <clears throat> your halfway half. point would have been mm-hmm. around 13, right? So w- what was your midlife crisis like? Well, my midlife crisis, if you put it that way, yeah. um, I had I had a midlife crisis at 25 too. But at 13, <laughs> at 13, I, uh, I, I, uh, I discovered my love for God. I had a reversion to my Catholic faith. Wow, she's well, shaming both of us, Adrian. Uh, I was I was fourteen, 
turning to 15 and I had a major reversion to my Catholic faith. And um, people say like, oh, you were too young to even have a reversion. But no, I, I really did. That was kind of at 14. I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of confession in a very powerful way uh, that it I completely did a 180 degree in my life. And yeah, and I, I, I in high school, I was known as the Jesus girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because I was so I was so involved in my Catholic faith from an early age. Mm-hmm. Well, praise be to God. That's a great way to spend your midlife crisis, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Um, I never had one of those. Yes. Yeah, so far, I haven't had one either. I've had, well, I've had that, but. Like, what am I going to do for my midlife crisis? Dude, my, my wife wants to know. Like, I, I what do you, you what do you do? Do you I guys buy a motorcycle? Do I think you you've buy, had seven already. Yeah, buy buy a Corvette. Eric you, said he bought a Harley. Harley. Do you uh, do you jump off of a, a, a thousand foot bridge in Africa, bungee jumping or shark diving? Like, what do you do? I'm just if curious. You, what if you already do those things? Mm-hmm, then what do you mm-hmm. do for your midlife crisis? I know. Like, well, you probably read a book and that's eat what I was going to say. I yeah, I was going to say you stop. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nicola. Good morning. Praise be to God. Maine lobster in the New England uh, area. Yes, well, there's a, that's a winner every time, isn't it? Lobster. Lobster dipped in garlic butter. Yum. I actually like shrimp more than I like uh, lobster. I like, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, oh, it's all of a sudden my brain shut off. The uh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Why can't I think scallops? Thank you, scallops. Thank you. Thank scallops. You. Is that how you pronounce that? How do you pronounce it? I thought it was scallops. <laughs> or next you're going to say it's it's uh, Lourdes, not Lourdes. Uh, uh-huh. No, tomato, tomato. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeff said, come on by our house on Friday and I'll make you a sandwich, Joe. Hey, guess what I'm doing Friday? Heading over to Jeff's house. Uh, Jeff, you should come over to hang out with me at the Dove Hunt, my friend. The Safe at Dove Hunt. I'm going to be there. Um. There is two events happening this week for SAFA in San Antonio. Number one is tomorrow, the opening day of dove hunting season. I wish I could make that. Unfortunately, I'm not able to. So I'll be going, I'll be taking two of my sons, and we're going to go Friday in Castorville, which is just uh, west of San Antonio. And uh, we are going to go dove hunting with SAFA. And then there's a dinner, a steak dinner that night. Praise be. Well, you shit. You're, oh, you're my kicking bad. us off early. That was the uh, from yesterday. Forgot to move it back. Come on, man. I know. I I don't. I, I don't get it either. No, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. I'm not sure. Yes, exactly. Tammy says lobster, yummy. Eric said now he just stays home. Er, hermit life. Yeah, based. <laughs> hermit life is awesome. Yeah. Let's go monk mode. Monk mode. That's funny. Uh, Sonia says, favorite American food, Mexican-American food, like street tacos, Mexican-American enchiladas, tamales. Mm. Uh, that's good. Good stuff. Buddy said, steak. I'm that's my you. that's my mom's favorite food. My mom loves steak. Steak and potatoes. Okay. Mm. Steak, steak and, and potatoes. potatoes. Okay, steak and potatoes. I think my current favorite cuisine, going back to my top five cuisine. <laughs> top 10, I, top 20? <laughs> I really love Indian food right now. I think yeah. my, my favorite food just changes with the seasons, but um, I think right now, I, I'm really into Indian food right now. I love... Have you guys tried Indian food before? I don't like Indian of food. Of course. I do not. I'm, my uh, roommate is Indian. I've I've been going to a lot of uh, Indian little restaurants around my house, and I'm just obsessed with all... Um, like, the, the kefi uh, desserts. The desserts are the best. 
and also their rice and paneer tiki masala, like all of those. The spices are just really good. I pretty much only like American and Mexican food <laughs> and like a little bit of Italian food, and that's about it. Yeah. I used to love, when I was stationed in Hawaii in the Marine Corps, I loved Polynesian food. I never thought I was like stuff like seaweed, for instance, but Dude, what the you heck? eat it a lot over there. The rice three times a day. Um, but the food is actually quite good. It's like I talking mean, to vegans, and they're like, oh, yeah, I love eating my grass. <laughs> it's not grass. Okay, it's Go. grass that grows in the ocean, yep. but whatever, mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Go, you eat your seaweed. I'm going to go get a steak, okay? You go have your grass, and I'll eat what's eating. Oh, you need to stop eating with grass because you're eating my food's food, and it's it's not <laughs> it's okay. It's very offensive. It's very offensive to me that people are eating my food's food. My food's food. I, I tell co- you what, if we bring back the dove, ooh, I can't wait. I've never been dove hunting. It's my first time. And I am looking forward to it. We're gonna we're gonna stuff the dove with um, with uh, uh, jalapenos and cheese, and we're gonna wrap it in bacon, and we're gonna grill them, and it's gonna be yummalicious. Spam, spam is a big thing in Polynesian culture and in Micronesian culture too. I thought spam was huge in Hawaii. It got huger in Guam. Huger, huger. Like if I were Donald Trump, the most it would have been like. Like, you have never seen this kind of huge spam. This is the greatest spam you've ever seen. That the hugeristic. The hugeristic of it's, it's spam. This is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I couldn't believe the love for spam on the island of Guam. They have restaurants that sell spam recipes in Guam. It's ooch. I tell you what, though, I went to a Japanese restaurant. I went to two Japanese restaurants in Guam. One was a steakhouse, and the other one was like the Benihana thing, both amazing. But at the steakhouse, their grilled garlic cloves were, I mean, they exploded with flavor in your mouth. They were so good. So good. And the steak, of course, was amazing. Josh, where did you go recently? Didn't you go eat somewhere really nice a few days ago? Um, You went to... The Fogo de Chao for a birthday party. And now Fogo de Chao is one of my favorite That's where the rich places people ever. Go. Good grief. I've been there twice. It's like the that best place ever. Something. I've never been there. Dude, that's what I, I saved up my money. And me and my date for prom senior year, and <laughs> along with some friends, went to Fogo de Chao. Mm-hmm. What, what cuisine is that? That's a Brazilian, Brazilian steak. steakhouse. Oh, I love Brazilian steakhouse. Adrian, it's the way they, they it's, it's, it's different. It's a unique place. Tell us about it. It's a, it's a buffet of steak. And so they bring steak to your table and they cut it for you right there. And then you just, they bring it to you and you have a little card and you flip it. If it's green, they're going to keep bringing you steak. If you flip it over red, they're not going to bring you any. And, uh, it, they just will keep bringing you steak until, uh, you're full. Um, it's, it's so good. And their bread is so good. So good. Mm-hmm. My friend learned how to make it cause it's that good. So good. <laughs> yeah, I love cultured food. Like I love trying Brazilian, Venezuela. I I recently have gotten into Venezuelan food too. Uh, I think growing up Mexican, and I have a, my mom is such an awesome cook, awesome Mexican cook. But you know, I just I got tired of Mexican over time just because I ate it so much growing up. Um, and American food, you just get tired of it because it's everywhere and it's easy access. But when I have a chance to try Brazilian or uh, Venezuelan or Indian food or Mediterranean food, I like, I like 
I'm obsessed. I love it. I love trying different cultured foods. Not me. I'm super picky. I hate <laughs> trying new foods. I just, I just want to eat the same things over and over again. <laughs> I order the exact same meal every time I go to a restaurant. I order to do the same mood, the food. I cook the same things when I cook, which I don't cook very often at all. Um, yeah, not not very uh, experimental. That's going to be my midlife crisis when I turn <laughs> like 30 or 40, like Joe. I'm gonna. My midlife crisis is gonna be trying foods, probably, because huh. I do not like trying foods. I like Lori's suggestion. Adrian, bring your mom's enchiladas to the next. I think she meets Sharathon. I like this idea. Uh, I, I support this idea. That'll have to be a my mom question. We'll have to call your mom and beg. Please well, make enchiladas. Well, That'd she listens amazing. to the show, so praise be to God. It'd be amazing. Do you guys remember? You must have. You've been to Asian restaurants, right? You've mm-hmm. eaten the spicy mustard. My best friend is Vietnamese. Oh yeah, like uh, what is it called? I, I ate wasabi. Some- no, not wasabi. No, what is it's it? uh um, um the yellow the spicy s- mustard. Um I just had it yesterday and I asked I asked for it all the time. Uh yellow uh yellow mayonnaise or No, there's a name for it. What is it? Why can't I remember? I was just rem- rem- uh, Oh, spicy mayo. No, it's not mayonnaise. Well, I it's ca- a mustard. Oh, okay. Well, it's I It's a yellow mustard, but it's super spicy. First time I had it, my friends tricked me. I was in high school. And they're like, oh, this is good. It's sweet stuff. And I put a bunch on my food and I, and I ate it. My brain felt like it was going to melt. It was so hot. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't try things. The wasabi is really what, strong. Is it wasabi? But it's a green, green. But it's green. No, this is not green. This is yellow. What is it called, everybody? Let us know. Who's got who, yellow mustard? It is a yellow, yellow mustard, but there's a name for it and I forget what it is. I, what is it? Well, I, I always get spicy mayo when I get sushi. It's a must. I mean, if you love Indian, you've got to love spicy, huh? I don't give... I actually either. don't. I always get mild. When I go to Indian restaurants, I always ask for mild. Um, I can't. I can't do their spicy stuff. It's too strong. Uh, I also don't like spicy Mexican food. <laughs> I have to confess, I'm not I don't spicy. Like, I don't like spicy food either. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see what Eric said? Bean tacos, get old. I feel you, G. <laughs> mm, dude, I love, I love bean tacos. That's hilarious. Like, on Fridays, usually my meal to, of choice is bean and cheese taco. I'll go to uh, Taco Cabana if I'm not gonna. If my see, when I was living at home, every now and then my mom would make bean and cheese tacos at home uh, and potatoes. But I really don't like potatoes that much, to be honest. And, uh, but bean and cheese tacos, I love bean and cheese tacos, or I go to Taco Cabana and get a bunch of bean and cheese tacos. I, I could eat those every day. Best thing ever. When I met my husband, that's all he ate before we got married. Bean you know, and the cheese more tacos. You talk your, yeah, the more you talk about your husband, the more I like this guy. <laughs> now, okay, so when I graduated boot camp, the first thing I did after graduation in San Diego was walk the streets and nearest the base because uh, we were staying in a hotel until we flew home. And uh, I was looking for the nearest Mexican restaurant. Now, having grown up in San Antonio, I was used to a certain flavor profile of Mexican food, Tex-Mex. Yes. Uh, Mexican food in California is different not the from, same. from Calif- Mexican gross. food I in I was so Texas. disappointed that it wasn't the Tex-Mex that I had been thinking about for three solid months and, and longing mm-hmm. for. Feel that. Yeah, I lived in San Diego for four years, and I learned... That Mexican food in California is very different from Mexican food in Texas. Mexican and food in Chicago is very different as well. Yeah. So, like, I actually I got introduced to fish tacos in yes. California. Uh, fish tacos in like California tacos. are really I good. Like I like fish tacos but fish, here. But fish yes. tacos here, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't tried some good ones yet here. But in California, the fish tacos are amazing. 
Um, but bur- burritos, California burritos are everywhere in California. Um, but burritos in Texas, if you go to, if you go to the average Mexican, like, like hardcore Mexican taqueria or like place, Mexican place, they don't usually have burritos. What? I get a burrito at every restaurant I go to. Well, like Taco Bell and like the the Americanized Mexican places, they have they have burritos. But the taqueria, yeah. like the the hardcore, or at least the ones that I've gone to, they I don't know where you're going. <laughs> but every single one I've been to, what I get is a is gordita a or like tacos. Yeah, th- those are the traditional. Um, but burritos are more Americanized, I would say. I get a burrito everywhere I go. That's yeah. pretty much. No, the, the best main thing I get. The best Mexican food is always on a food truck on the side of the road. Yes. You get the barbacoa, you have no idea what's in it. You get the runs. But mm. it's always good. It's always good stuff. Uh, I, I wonder, uh, like some folks are here saying like South Miami. Tammy's like, she's got the eel sauce going here with her sushi. Josh she, said, Adrian is the fakest Mexican there is. <laughs> That's disrespectful. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And amen. Hurt, well, do you speak feelings. Spanish, Adrian? <clears throat> no. Oh, well, that that says a lot. Hey, <laughs> all these gatekeepers, shots fired. All these gatekeeping. I don't. I'm not appreciating <laughs> the gatekeeping. Oh well, in my defense, I don't speak Gaelic either, so I guess that makes me a fake Scottishman. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Although the saint today was from uh, from Scotland, so praise be to God for that. I have to. I have an obligation. If I see a, a saint from Scotland, there's too few to go around, so I have to go with him. Uh, El Eric says, whenever I go to Mexican restaurants, all I ever order are the steak tacos and cilantro. Sounds yum. That's Sounds fine, yum dude. to me. I'm man. all about getting the same thing. I'm I'm not upset about it at all. I don't. I love getting the same exact foods every single time. Yes, yes. Because then you know what you're getting. Taco trucks are the best. Yay and amen. Yeah. See, when you when you order the same foods, you never have to worry. Am I gonna like this? You're like, now you're never concerned about it. You're just like, oh, I know exactly what I'm gonna get. I know exactly what I like. Everything is gonna be great, and you're excited to eat it. Eric Rodriguez, he says, fish hamburgers. I guess fish sandwiches. Fish, fish burger. Fish burger with ketchup is the best. <laughs> Uh, Jeff said, I was hurting for tacos when I was in Iraq. They let us visit some food vendors outside the base. Let's just say <laughs> it didn't end well. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine that was uh, interesting at, at best, for sure. You know, uh, Josh knows more Spanish than I do. Yeah? Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's not, it doesn't take much. Uh, I scared Josh and his girlfriend today, yesterday. They were uh, they had gotten food and they were parked outside of the apartment. I was walking by and so I stood there and I was staring at them through the window and uh, they thought there was a crackhead uh, looking through his window and he freaked out. So <laughs> that says something too. There you go. That's there you go, folks. Right there. Uh, James over on our website says uh, Charlton Heston played Mark Anthony in the 1970 film Julius Caesar. We've been talking about this most recently, there, James. Richard Chamberlain played Octavian, the future Caesar Augustus. Yeah, he's correcting me. See, uh, James is a, uh, a walking uh, encyclopedia when it comes to knowledge like that. So where were you when I needed you yesterday? Speaking of which, that, that George C. Scott reference from Moynihan was super cool. His dad uh, served in, uh, in the service next to George C. Scott. That's, that's pretty darn cool. Mm. Who's George C. Scott? Are you being serious? <laughs> yeah. 
No, no. I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you being serious? 100%. Oh, my. All right. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What time? I, I have no time. You have one minute. I got one <laughs> minute to do this. And I, do, 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 do. Let's get a hold on. Here we go. George C. Scott Patton speech. Here we oh, go, yeah, folks. You're not going to make it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to turn up way loud so we could hear the sound. George C. Scott played Patton in a epic film about World War II, and then he followed up the role in a second installment about the latter half and death of General Patton. Which, by the way, there is a book out called Killing Patton that uh, was entertaining, but kind of a waste of time. The George C. Scott. Epic actor served with Moynihan's dad in World War II. Yeah, Lori said I need to watch Patton. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've seen it a ton of times. I haven't seen it in a while, though. Tammy said one minute to school, Adrian. Ha! Iconic. Praise be to God. Melanie, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. I don't know what you're face palming. I mean, what do we She's do now? Face probably me saying that I don't know who that is. Yeah, I know. See what I'm dealing with? Uh, speaking of the greatest Mexican food, no one has ever uh, mentioned uh, poncho. Ponchos? What is a pon- ponchos? It's okay. We'll have to get the the, the follow up on that tomorrow. We're out of time. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Let's see who's on the show tomorrow. Uh, we have Tom, the Delta Force guy. We'll see that.